Jerome Clark on the mic, yes I'm doing what I do Representing for the ladies, but he's speaking for the goons Back and forth with the banter, banter, banter You got questions, we got answers, answers, answers Every week we bringing you the entertainment and the news Welcome to our podcast for the ladies and the goons Ladies, goons, ladies, goons, ladies, goons, ladies, goons Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Ladies Ladies and Goons Goons Podcast. Podcast. Yay, we are happy to be here and share this time with all of you. Um, I wanted to start off by saying I could not um, last on my flower restriction that I put on myself, and so I'm going to be... Weak! (laughs) I'm going to be a woman... And own up to the fact that I have not done that. But Buck, the president, is doing a great job with his no meat challenge um, that he decided to do. Like I said, again, I was unsuccessful. Um, I'm on the life and I'm doing what I do. I think I just didn't want it bad enough at this point. But I will try again and I'm not sure when. But I did want to say that Buck is doing an amazing job chefing it up and all that like doing a really good job so i did not um i was bad some flowers just came in the mail (laughs) okay buddy all right well today episode 14 is a special episode for me i get to interview someone near and dear to my heart (laughs) we are going to interview the amazing Buck, the president. Yay. No? We need the applause thing. How? Uh, yeah, we should do that. Let me see. Let me see if I can find an applause. What was that? Why well, had to be such a feminine-driven applause? Um, Because it's my applause and I'm a female. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Well, let's see. Give you a party noise. Nah, there you nah, go. That's all right. No. Okay. What about? <laughs> yes. Come now, select a DJ. That's for the Jamaican <laughs> Yes. Buck, buck, buck. <laughs> so anyway, today we are going to interview, or I will be interviewing, and you will be able to listen to his lovely voice for your listening pleasure. And get to know him a little better. All right, so how did you get the name Buck the President? <laughs> Buck the President was a name that was, uh, it, it culminated over time. There's a few aspects to it. I played basketball. My name is, um, my government name is Quinn. And there's a basketball player named uh, Quinn Buckner. So people started calling me Buckner. Then my nigga uh, Kelly Kyson shortened it up to Buck. People started calling me Buck. Then getting into um, rapping, I figured I could keep that, and I wanted to add to it. At one point, it was Buck Showalter. Then I um, switched that up. One of my people's Pook Washington. I think he goes by Two Life now, but Pook Washington is a member of a group. And their group had uh, 
aliases other from their rap names and they all use president's names. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool and what it stood for. So I used uh, just Buck the President because it sounded like a statement, like a statement that represented anti-establishment. And there's also the juxtaposition of the name, whereas a, a buck was referred, a slave was referred to as a buck. And then there's the president, which is like the pinnacle of power in this country. So it's a nice juxtaposition in that name. That's very cool. It it just sounds cool anyway, but that's um, that's a great explanation. Some of that I didn't really know, so... That's awesome. Um, all right, so when did you first start rapping or rhyming or producing music, all of that? Like, when did you first start doing that? Well, I first started around, I'm going to say high school. I always had a love for, for hip-hop. Being from Queens and being an older person, I was around when at the hip-hop's very beginning, you know, Queens is very influential, so since its inception has been around and I've listened to Run DMC, who's also from Queens, LL Cool J, you know, so early on I was fascinated with it and it being new, but I was always told like it'll never last. You know, the older people back then thought it was just a fad. <laughs> so I never really thought of like a profession in it or really being in it for money. But I, I, read, I say I made my first song around. I wrote my first verse in high school. Yeah, how long did it take you to make that? Oh, man. That took me, like, a few hours. Because <laughs> I always thought of, like, I admired the styles of people who, who, had, who were witty and who could use similes and metaphors, so... I really just sat down and thought of a good amount of, like, 16 to 20 metaphors or something like that because I couldn't really count bars at that time but yeah so I wrote down a whole bunch of metaphors as rhymes and passed them together into one rap wow did you used to I know um back in the day we used to have uh during lunch you have people like banging on the tables and rapping and and dancing and doing all kinds of other stuff did did you ever like participate in that not the banging on the tables thing, because I was a real more of a cut school person. So, <laughs> I mean, but my my team, I had a team of people. We ran the streets, and I I spit a couple bars for them occasionally. Okay, do you remember your first rap, or like maybe a line from your first rap? I know it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, now that I'm remembering, I had. The first one, the very first one, I couldn't remember because it was like a whole bunch of punchlines, but I know one of the punchlines was about Balky Bartakamos. <laughs> From Perfect Strangers, for yeah. those of you who don't know. <laughs> I, he used to twist his, he used to twist his cliches up. So I was like, I twist, twist, spit twisted words like I'm Balky Bartakamos or something like that. <laughs> but then I had another rap that I used to say for people being in the street a lot, and it was more like hustling, like, you know, I know that started off with stashing grands and doing hand to hands up in dollar bands, <laughs> shit like that. Okay, um, so we we touched on it just a little bit, but 
Where did you grow up? Tell me about that. I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, New York. Uh, South Side, as we like to call it. There's a, a strong influence of drugs, money, but there's also that party vibe. There was also always that party vibe where Kid and Plays from Queens, so there's parties, but then Cool G rappers from Queens, so there's gangster shit. Mm-hmm. And Run DMC was like performative party shit. Uh, Cheeks and the Lost Boys, that was like party shit, but also street shit. So that was like our vibe. Like we like to have fun, but shit got gritty. And there's a lot of people getting money around there, so mm-hmm. that so, influenced my that influenced the way I thought, and the way I think is always like how I present my raps or how I write my raps. Try to keep it as genuine as possible to my personality and who I am. Okay, so so many people, so many hip hop artists came from Queens, um, and oh L L, I can't forget L L L L Uncle L. Came from Queens. Let's see who else we got. Noriega. Yeah, Nori. We got. You Nas. Said the, the Lost Boys. Um. Who else? There's just so many. Yeah, there's a lot. Stunts Sonic. Run DMC. MC Delight. You know, from Stunts Sonic was like right around the corner for me. Wow. Uh, there's a lot. So there's a lot of influence. Um, you know, a lot of the times people talk about where they're from, especially in inner cities, and a lot of the influence when it comes to whether it's like gangster stuff or or drugs or money there's always some type of music or entertainment in there as well as well as um sports right pretty much that's like hey they slaying crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot <clears throat> hey so all right um so that impacted um the way you wrote your rhymes i'm assuming because it impacted yeah. what you what you thought what your topics were and kind of the swag i know queens always had a different type of swag um within new york anyway i mean right. all the boroughs have different swag but um explain what what you think queens style is especially jamaica queens man that's hard to like put into words <clears throat> i know my favorite part was um, when Lost Boys was out, LB fam, the dances, the way everyone was dressing, the way the music sounded. It was like fun. Yeah, there was crazy stuff going on, but um, I lived, for those of you who don't know, I lived in Jamaica, Queens for a short period of time. Um, That's where I met Buck, the president. Went to school together, elementary school together. Um, So I remember those times being really fun. and then I was in entertainment as far as like dancing and, and performing. So those are the parts that I remember the most that are like, okay, it sticks out to me. But I wasn't a rapper at that time, so. Um, Queens is like, went to a fight and the party broke out. <laughs> went to a fight and a party broke out. That's a good one. All right, well, so then how has your artistry evolved? or your production evolved? Because you talked about, you know, kind of where you're from and what influenced you and what was around at that time. So where you are right now, how do you, what do you think that evolution was? Or what's the change that you've made in your music? Well, I've really evolved as a person greatly. I mean, I was born in Queens, 
raised in Queens, but I lived in North Carolina, like, during junior high school, you know, being like uh, a disruptive person my whole life in a single parent family, single parent household, being in the streets, running the streets. So I went to go live with my pops for a year or two in North Carolina. That helped me to understand different styles. What part of North Carolina was that? Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. So that helped me to understand, like, different. I was exposed to different styles of rap at that time. Also, different ways of thinking. Like, so as my thinking has changed and progressed in life, so has my content and my style. But I've always been a fan of diversity. Hmm. So I grew up. I grew up listening to hip hop as well as R and B. You know, you listen to the occasional, the occasional rock and roll song, some oldies. Mm-hmm. So it was very like eclectic upbringing, and I I like diversity. I never wanted to be pigeonholed as one particular kind of artist who only makes one kind of song. Okay. Or has one particular sound. So building off of that, um, I know you want to make sure that your music has a message, um, but you also still want to be relevant and create bangers and things that people will actually digest. Has that been difficult or how has that journey been for you? Um, I mean, I haven't had a banger yet necessarily, but I've learned to appreciate my joy of the music that I make. And yeah, making, including my message and having it be something that I can enjoy listening to or proud to say I did is mostly my main focus. Okay, so let's talk about music production specifically. So we talked about rap and rhyming a little bit. When did you start that? Production, I would say, I mean, I tinkered around a little bit when I was in high school with some of my friends' equipment. I had friends that were like DJs, they had MPs. So a little bit of mixing music, scratching records, a little bit on the MP. But I didn't really make my first beat until around 2000, say 2001, 2002 around that time, when I was living in Missouri and I got a, uh, I bought a Triton. I decided to go fully into it. Really inspired by 50 Cent at the time coming up. Another person from Queens, can't forget 50 in G-Unit. Mm-hmm. So the, the, I was never really consistent with pursuing it as a career and not understanding like how to, how to capitalize monetarily off of it. So I got into Beats around the year 2001. Okay. Did you um did you find a studio to work with a specific studio? I know yeah. a lot of times people people do that like they have that home studio they have somewhere that they can kind of really hone their craft and kind of learn from the greats. Yeah, the first studio that I was in is like uh, a real like famous studio, infamous uh, rather an infamous studio. It was just infamous studio in Queens, and that was operated by Mob Deep. R.I.P.P. Peace forever. R.I.P. Have 
Uh, my my guy Fly is like the head engineer. Joe the engineer. Shout out to Joe and Fly. Yeah, I was in there. My man Classic. Another uh, friend from the neighborhood who was also into rap. He took me there to do a song that he was recording. And that became like my home studio. I did an internship there. I was really in there a lot, like sleeping there and everything. Like Infamous Studio, yeah. Okay. And so after working uh, with Infamous Studio, how did your career evolve? What, uh, what was the trajectory at that point in time? Like, did you, you learned some things there, I'm assuming, um, and as an intern, were there things that it made it easier for you to kind of get your ideas together and put together music and produce music? Like, how did that kind of change you? Well, since there was no money, I mean, there was always reminders for me, like, throughout time that money could be made off hip-hop, but I was never getting any. And you know, life life goes on and there's certain events that become priorities. So being there was like a, a it was like a privilege and I couldn't really dive as deep as I wanted to because of other situations. But I made the most of my time there. I learned engineering, uh, how to mix records. I learned how better techniques on production. Um, I actually asked Havoc about making songs, like, and watched him record. I watched some famous artists. I watched uh, Royal Flush record, Mike Geronimo recorded them and just learned a bunch of techniques to like improve and see how people who are making money off of it really did it. Okay. So then following Infamous Studios, um, was that before was that before or after you went to college? That was after college. After college. Okay, so you went to college that was in California? Yeah, I did. All right. So what happened during that time as far as music goes? Um, during that time, it was wild because I went to California. I always admired California. I was a big Snoop Dogg fan. Uh, Snoop, Snoop was one of the artists that I listened to heavy when I was in North Carolina. But going to California, I was like, I was expecting to be around a lot of like West Coast music. But where I stayed, there were a lot of athletes in my school who were from all over the country, like from the Midwest, Chicago, Ohio, Florida. Like, so I got, I was exposed to a lot of music a lot of different kinds of music. And I didn't really know, I think in this my little experience, I really like saw how the game shifted and was because it seemed like organic to me how I was introduced to uh, No Limit and Cash Money at that time. They were heavy in the Midwest and Florida. And so my friends were listening to that and that became the popular music around. Like I was listening to Onyx, Wu-Tang, stuff like that. But when you're in the party, the, the ladies don't want to hear Wu-Tang and Onyx. <laughs> so I saw the vibe that came with No Limit songs and Cash Money songs. And that was really like the change in overall hip hop at that time. I didn't really know, but looking back, 
that was how hip hop shifted to like down south and those those groups in particular, No Limit and uh, Cash Money became True. prominent groups at that time. So, like, just going off of that, um, New York to Cali, music is very different. Um, and you said you heard a lot of other types of music. It opened you up to a lot of other types of music that was going on. Um, and did that, were you working on music at the time or was on was music in the forefront or no? And if you were working on music, did that, um, did the vibe that you heard there influence the music you were making? I actually went to school for basketball. I wasn't really into books. And, and so when you pick a major, I picked, I was deciding on a major and I was leaning towards like some type of business because I wanted to develop a distribution company for music mm -hmm. because I, I didn't see anybody with a distribution company. I wasn't really, um, those experiences, that time period, I didn't really write too much. I was still trying to, I was seeing the shift in, sometimes I don't feel comfortable, like to this day, it's like, I wanna have, huh, I wanna have uh, something to keep people going, like wherever I'm at. So I wasn't used to that setting in particular, like vibe of music. So I was really more soaking it in and trying to mold myself to accommodate different areas. So it wasn't too much writing at that time. I wasn't producing at all at that time. We might just freestyle sometimes like smoking or something, but that was like the most I did at that period. Okay, and around what year was that? That was like 2098 to 2000. Okay, so you moved, so you eventually moved from California and where'd you go from there? Uh, California, I came back to New York briefly. That was like, that was like the big 50 cent wave. It was wild how 50 was getting on at that time. He was doing the mixtapes. I remember when, when uh, the N2Deep soundtrack came out mm -hmm. and they had Rowdy Rowdy. Mm -hmm. He's talking about there's real niggas everywhere. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. But I was in California heavy at that time. I was bumping that crazy, happy South Side like it was on it. Mm -hmm. Then uh, coming back to New York, then I went to Missouri. I moved to Missouri with family. Okay. So you went from there, you went to Missouri, and then you ended up back in New York? Yeah. And then that's when you were working with um, the Infamous Studios? Yeah, that's okay. that time frame. So during that time frame, working with Infamous Studios, were you working somewhere else as well? Like, did you ever, as I know, it's easy, sometimes it's easier for people um, doing music to be like in an environment in their regular job where music is there. So whether it's in like a club or, um, you know, working either promoting at a club, working at a club in some way, DJing or anything like that, where was there anything that you were working on when you were in New York that was kind of a direct, like a direct connection to the audiences so you could kind of see or hear like what was, what was hot, where you were and kind of like how the audience was feeling or thinking or reacting. Yeah, I worked uh, coming back to New York for the, I don't know how many times it is that I came back, but. Always come back to your home. Had like 2002, 2003, or even early 2000, 
stints in New York, I have some people who are connected in uh, security, like club security. So I was a bouncer. And doing bouncing, it was like, you could feel the vibes of the different music. Mm-hmm. I worked at the Sound Factory. The Sound Factory is a notorious, <laughs> a notorious <laughs> club in New York. And they had like four floors of different kinds of music. So I used to always, working in there, it's like you see the vibe of the people, the party atmosphere, and what gets people going and the reactions to certain type of sounds. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry. Um, okay, well, let's. Uh, we've done all this background and talking about music. Let's actually get to the music. So, um, what was your first release? Like your first compilation that you said, okay, I'm gonna put some stuff together and put it out. Um, my first release was that Piff, and it was uh, President's Day. President's Day, and when did that drop? President's Day came out on President's Day of 2011, 2012. 12, somewhere around there. Okay. And what was the cover art like? Oh, that cover was interesting. It was a depiction of the Last Supper with 12 presidents and myself. 12 U.S. presidents? Yeah, 12 U.S. presidents. Okay, and so what was the vibe of that album, if you had to sum it up? I mean, it's hard because there's so many songs or whatever, but if you had to sum it up, where you were, your mindset, or what you wanted people to get from that um, from that album? Um, I wanted people to get to know a little bit about my personality. So there's some stances on some serious issues. There are different, like, styles of songs on there. At that time, I wasn't, like, exclusively. I used a lot of uh, instrumentals on there. I think that has only, like, a few beats that I produced myself. Mm-hmm. It was like a mixtape. Right, right, mm-hmm. a mixtape. Okay. All right, so going from uh, President's Day, which was your first release, what was your next compilation release that you put out? Uh, after that was Lovers and Liars. Lovers and Liars. And that came out around when? That came out around, I want to say, like, July of that same year. Okay. Oh, that was a quick turnaround. All right. What was the what was the cover art for that? That was, I was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the toilet. Sitting on the toilet with a skull talking to me, and I was trying to deal with the... the <laughs> trying to deal with the pressure of the shit I was about to drop. Mm, Okay, I follow you there. I follow you there. Um, And so what was the vibe of that one? What Um, were you trying to get people to to understand from that one? That was really just... I wanted to... Actually, I had a vision of doing a short film for every song in there, so I wanted each song to be able to like run into each other as far as the title and the topic. And it was really just an analysis of different loves and different lives. Okay. That's awesome. All right. So then, okay, so we went from President's Day to Lovers and Liars. And then we your next release was what? President's <clears throat> Day 2018. All right. 2018. So it was President's Day Part 2? Yeah, you could say that. 
All right. Well, uh, what was the cover art for that one? That was the same cover from the first, just uh, first President's Day, just a different color. Okay. And it was made to look like a a, a tweet from, I believe, Donald Trump. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I wanted to incorporate the the president then and there as well. Okay. <clears throat> Funny. All right. And what was the vibe on that one? Um, that was really just uh, that was me coming out of like a funk because mm-hmm. there was a big space in between those. So. Oh yeah, me. because you said 2012 and then 2018. Right. Got so it. that was me, like, getting back to really making music. So I incorporated a few songs that I had laying around. Okay. I know we, we spoke a little bit earlier off the air, um, and you talked about a project in between President's Day 2 and the next release. Um, not really a project, but a number of projects that I think you were dropping monthly or something like that. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Oh, yeah. I had to, uh, during that time period around, I don't even know the year. That's like jumbled up. But between those, I had a run where I was doing, actually, that. so that should be like right, I would say it was 2017 or maybe it was 2018. I did a, a song a year, a song a month for the whole year. One song a month released to SoundCloud for that whole year. So some of the songs up to President's Day too came off of that. Mm. Came okay. off of that little run. Okay, and then we, so then at that point in time you were living where? In North Carolina again. Okay, you're back in Wilmington. No, I lived in Asheville, beautiful town in North Carolina. Asheville is awesome, awesome, awesome town. So I hop went, around a lot, so I've been around a lot of places. Okay, and so from Asheville, you went, you moved to where you are currently. Yeah. All right. So during all that time frame, we're talking about 2018, 2019. So um, then we get into COVID 19. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we get into COVID, and everyone ends up kind of on lockdown and can't really go anywhere. Um, and then, you know, we're grasping at whatever we can get as far as entertainment because, you know, there's no shows or anything like that. And Timbaland and Swiss Beats come up with this great uh, idea to do a versus and have us all be entertained by just kind of showcasing talent that has happened in the past and kind of doing like a matchup and trying to find a winner. No official winner, but, you know, everyone knows. Um, so all of that was going on. And then, so what, where was, where was your headspace? And like, did you, what did you do during that time during the COVID? COVID, you know, came on so suddenly. I was surprisingly calm during the times I had been into a lot of, uh, uh, health information. So I had an outlook on it, like. It would be okay as long as I took care of myself. So it wasn't really like a fear. Mm -hmm. So I decided to devote my time more to music at that time, being trapped Mm -hmm. and having some free time. Okay. And so what, what, uh, what did you bring out at that time? What did you release? Um, the first thing I did during COVID, or well, release, 
a later release I set up during that time. I got in contact with an old acquaintance of mine, Lenny Grant, Uncle Murder. Um, and I got him on a feature for a song that I cuffed for a minute. And then I did the, uh, I released a project titled Versus, I spelled V-E-R-Z-E-Z. And the concept of that was Buck versus the president. Hmm. So I used the two different sides as like, there's always a, a side to me that wants to be compassionate and caring and more like upright. But then there's also a side that's just more, I say erratic and aggressive. So I battled the two sides. It was 20 songs from each side or each perspective. I put that out on uh, SoundCloud versus okay. 40 tracks. Four, excuse me, you said 40? Yeah, 40 tracks. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess you had, I mean, we all had a lot of time on our hands. Um, 40 is a lot, a lot of music. Um, but that's really cool. So then we get past, I won't say we're exactly past COVID, but we're to the point where you can travel a little bit more and people are outside a little bit more. So you then release your debut, what you consider your debut album, since you consider the others mixtapes or just kind of other releases. You release your debut album, GE. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that album and kind of like where, where when the release happened and where you were and things like that. Um, that was released on August 15th of 2022. Yes. Yeah, and, um, that was a special project to me because it was released on my birthday. And for that, I, we planned, me and uh, my cohort, I <laughs> planned a release party and a private listening and release party in Panama. So that was cool. Yeah. It's like celebration because uh, I feel like I have to celebrate myself and be proud of my accomplishments. Yes. And that's most important. Okay. Um, and just my opinion, it is a great album, so you all should go out and stream it. GE. Um, GE. It's on all streaming platforms right now. Um, so... In wrapping up this interview with you, Buck the President, um, where do you go from here? Branching out or whatever it is, what is your mindset right now? And where, where do you want to see your music go? And kind of what are your dreams and aspirations for your trajectory of your career? Well, that's a great question. I want to personally continue to be happy with the music that I make. Mm -hmm. So it's important to me that I remain myself and I call the shots and what I put out. I would like to do songs with people who I admire and not just do like songs trying to pursue uh, sales. Yeah. Like that's why I reached out to um, Murder. I wanted to do a song with him for a long time. We went to high school together and I always admired his ability to uh, freestyle and put words together. So that was important to me. That's like a goal marked off. 
There are artists that I grew up with that I would love to do songs with. Uh, like people that influenced my style a lot, like Method Man, Red Man. Uh, definitely like to get 50 in the booth. Mm -hmm. Eminem. Yeah. Some R&B acts. Really just people, things that I want to do. Things that I value and would appreciate hearing personally. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Um, I wish you all the best in your career, your continued success in your career. Um, all right. And so if anyone is interested or have any questions or any comments or anything that you would like to ask about the president, you can send it directly to us. You can go on our website for ladies and goons. Um, you can go on our Instagram. You can message us that way. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. All right. So once again, Buck the president. Ooh. Um, we're going to move on to news, a little bit of entertainment news, a little bit of discussion. Um, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, I did want to say rest in peace to singer B Smith, R and B singer who died at 28 years old. Um, he was battling pulmonary fibrosis when I, I used to own a hip hop dance studio in Fort Lauderdale with the rest of my family. And, um, he was one of the artists that we supplied uh, with dancers, with backup dancers and some of the dance crews that used to dance with us. Um, one of them, um, one of the leaders of one of the crews was kind of like his manager and then also lead choreographer and things like that. It was a really nice young man. Um, that was a while ago. He was really young when we met him. Um, but a really nice guy. And so, uh, rest in peace and our prayers go out to him. Um, also because we haven't potted in a little over a week some of this news you might already know but uh power rangers star jason david frank which was the green ranger um died uh by suicide uh he was 49 years old i didn't watch power rangers but my brothers and sisters definitely did and so i know that this kind of hit them a little bit um so rest in peace to him as well i'm not sure what happened and and why he felt the need to take his life but um Mental health is a real thing, so make sure you take care of yourselves. Uh, Buck, what do you think about this one? Jermaine Dupree confirms a so-so death versus bad boy versus. That should be entertaining. I think it'll be very entertaining. Who do you have winning? That's tough. I probably have a... My preference would be more bad boy. Mm-hmm. Well, at least with the songs I could come up with in my head. Going with New York. Um, Jermaine Dupree, Atlanta. It's hard for me. I think once you start pulling up, like, all the Mariah Carey's and then the... There's just, like, a lot of different things. Jermaine Dupree has worked with a lot of people. Um, and does it just mean who Jermaine, Jermaine Dupree has worked with or is it who actually was released under So So Deaf? Right. Um, I don't if know. If it's truly a So So Deaf versus Bad Boy, I don't think it's even close. Yeah. I mean... I was in so in the heart of So So Depp and I, I love Bad Boy. I grew up in Bad Boy stuff as well. Um, but going to college and going to HBCU in Atlanta, there was a lot of So So Depp, everything all around. Um uh so I don't know, though and then you're factoring in Usher, his entire things working with So So Depp. I don't know. It's gonna I think it's gonna be very entertaining, definitely. Um I'm not sure where they're gonna have it, but both camps are, are, you know, started with both of the heads of those camps, Jermaine Dupree and uh, 
Puffy or P. Diddy is they they started as dancers. So they're both performers and mm. entertainers and it will be yeah. it will be a sight to see because no one wants to lose so they're they're gonna bring it you know i so. know that mariah carey is like that there's not too many songs i could think of that could beat that song to me okay yeah all right but that's not so so deaf though is that so so deaf i don't know i think it's i think it is i think that's on the emancipation of mimi album mm-hmm. right and that was, and Jermaine Dupri was working on that album. Yeah, but is it so so deaf though? I don't know. It might be so so deaf as far as production. Is so so deaf a production company? There's yeah, there's production, there's production. Okay. I think there's also management. There's just like with Bad Boy. Okay. So I think that that's what expands it so much more, you know. So, all right, um, we're gonna briefly talk about this because. Everybody is, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I know everyone gets really touchy on certain subjects or whatever. Um, I want to look at this one on at a, a bigger picture. Um, so we had Chris Brown was supposed to perform at the AMAs, the American Music Awards, um, to do the tribute to Michael Jackson, Jackson, the 40, 40th anniversary of Thriller. Um, he was hired to do this by the AMAs. They, he went through a, a, a training and and with his crew and everything and right before the performance i think it was maybe the day or two before after they've been rehearsing doing all of these things the american music awards decided to contact chris brown and tell him that they're pulling his performance and they're pulling the um the tribute all together um and their reasoning so that he was taken off guard but their reasoning was bringing up Chris Brown's past um, issues, the domestic violence with singer Rihanna, um, and then also, so having this person pay tribute to Michael Jackson, who they're saying was an accused sex offender who was not charged, was not not found guilty on those charges. Right, accused. Um, So let's say that's alleged, and regardless of how people feel about that, was not found guilty, and so... Their optics, what they say their optics is, is to have a domestic abuser honoring a sexual child abuse accused accused abuser. Um, They didn't like the optics. Let's also state that those optics were there. When they set it up. When they set him up, when they... Uh, when they hired, when he got his crews together, when he put together his uh, phenomenal performance, all of those things were there. And so I feel like they were, you know, jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, yeah, we need to do this tribute and then get the biggest star that could represent him for this tribute. And then, I don't know, maybe people started saying things or whatever. I'm not sure. But the way they did it was, to me, um, unfair. And I know that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I'm not talking about whatever happened with e- either one of these artists prior because those things were already in place when you have decided to hire this person. Nothing new came out since that time and decided to put that um, to put that out there. And if I'm being really honest, we need to be fair with the cancellations if you're going to be canceling people. Um there are a lot of people out there that's getting away with a lot of horrible things in this industry, and I don't think that they should get get away with it, nor do I feel like anybody else, um, any of the people that we're mentioning now should. But it feels like it is targeting. It feels like with all the other things that are going on in the industry right now, um, people are 
whether they're getting scared or they're saying, no, they shouldn't um, support this or that. I mean, we, we recently had the Balenciaga campaign that I don't hear enough people angry about with just the, just, I, I don't even really necessarily want to repeat it, but a lot of the, and you all can, can look it up, but a lot of the issues that I see with the industry, we, it, it, it's deciding who you want to make an example out of and who you want to say is the bad guy and push that out to the rest of the world. Um, and I'm not saying that you saying certain people are the bad guy is wrong. And if that's the belief, it just needs to be fair across the board. Because when we, once we start canceling things, we'll see how little we have left to actually enjoy, participate in, whatever. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong either. It just is what it is. Don't pick and choose. That's just my thought process. And then the entertainer, the entertainer in me, um, especially since I saw the behind the scenes of the rehearsals, just wish that it would have happened. I also wish that another network, um, some of our people will pull together and make it happen somewhere else other than relying on the American Music Awards or the Grammys or anyone else to um, to show showcase the talent, especially of uh, black individuals. To keep it real, Michael Jackson is the only reason I started watching American Music Awards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the performance, the performer. And like I said, that's us separating everything, any and everything that has been alleged or whatever, because in his case, he was not found guilty. So um, we just I'm just saying to keep that same energy. If it looks like it seems like a lot of these things are not based on principle. Like you said, they, they're made to make examples out of certain people or to like flex on certain people to show them that they're not as powerful as they think they are because yeah. if it was down to principle there'd be a lot more people being canceled for the same reasons the balenciaga shit is just crazy like yeah i, I, I couldn't even believe that the images weren't like doctored i felt like it was just fake like maybe it was just somebody on the internet in these times but they admitted to the to the original campaign being Which what it ridiculous. was and then they changed it and for what I'm seeing the new, I'm seeing some things about the new, the new pictures that they have. And if those are the genuine pictures, then it's like no excuse. I don't even understand how anybody could excuse two times. Um, I mean, and to piggyback on that, that's absolutely disgusting. And right. that's targeting our children, right. right? In general, you're okay. And I won't say, I'm not saying it's all the same people, but in general, they're not canceled and this is okay. But we're talking about things that has been 10 years or more for Chris Brown and even longer Michael than that. Jackson Michael Jackson is only accused. Yeah. Like these are things like you don't have to accuse these people of doing something that they're showing you. Yeah. So this Balenciaga is showing you what they feel and what they're into. And what they support. Right. There's no there's no mistake with you taking specific documents and books and put placing it into something that you have set up. There's a reason behind all right. of that. So for you to do that, even if you were like, oh, the dominatrix bear that the child was holding was just kind of a joke. What sick world? I don't know. But then on top of that, to have all of these things that if you look and you, you I mean, who are, who is that for? Is it like a wink to the people who know those things and can say, oh yeah, look, we're putting this out there. Like, I don't even understand what, why that makes sense. Um, I was never a, a patron of Balenciaga anyway. 
Um, but I definitely will not be. It does not make sense. Um, and there are a lot of major things. There's a lot of major companies. There's Disney. There's a lot of different companies that that the agenda is 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 very bad. Um, and the underlying, the things that people don't see, the subconscious things are really bad. And then so it's like, like I said, be fair with what you are saying. So don't pick and choose um, who you want to celebrate. And you're celebrating the music. You're not celebrating the person, but who you decide to celebrate, who you decide to continue to make money off of and drop names and say this person will be here and, and collect whatever you're collecting and, and sucking the life out of whoever, be fair, <laughs> and you know, in, in your cancellations. That's all I'm saying. I'm already opposed. I'm opposed to cancel culture. If I don't like something, I won't like it. If I think it's harmful, I will tell the people that I love, this is not something that I think you should be doing or, you know, a part of. They can make their own decisions, but I'm not a part of, I'm not like, I don't like the whole, hey, everyone, you didn't know this thing was happening, wasn't really affecting you. Let's all get together and hate this person and, and try to stop their revenue stream and try to disrupt their life. And for no, to no avail, it's like you, you're really just doing it. And then you're like, oh, this person's crashed, crashed, burning, broken. Great. Let's move on to the next thing. There's no real good that even comes from it. There's no, let's make this person do better. Let's make something, nothing. It's just like, it, I, I, I will stop talking about it now, but that's just my thing. I really did want to see that performance though. And even the rehearsals were fire. So just want to say that. I also, I, on another note, the same thing. I keep saying I'm going to stop talking about it, but it's, uh, it's kind of upsetting because, like, what is the effect of this on black music in general? There, there's already a limited amount of, of the prestigious events that have a majority of black people and black music. And so when you take the people that are really at the epitome of greatness as far as that art goes and you make sure that you just break them down, chop them down, chop them down. What what does that say about the music and the people if that's all you're you're focusing on? Because if you take that equivalent and you apply it to rock music, country music, uh, you know, electronic music, whatever it is, all the other music that's out there, you can find the same and worse in those people. But you're if you want to um, turn a blind eye, which I don't think you should then don't pick and choose. I think the problem is that we think that there's such thing as black music when it's really not, and never has been. I mean, I, if you ask me, it, it all is, if you're Truly. talking about origin. Um, but when I say, when I say black music, I'm, I'm saying from the same people who are allowing, who everyone is allowing to make the categories, make the awards, make the levels of prestige, who those people are considering what they are considering to be um, a certain type of music and where those categories go. That's what I mean. Like the, the, it's the legacy of the music created by black people when I say black music. So I'm talking about the Michael Jacksons, the Whitney Houstons, the, all the people that... Um, that fought to be, that fought to be em enveloped in a different kind of music. Yeah. Which is owned by some other people. Oh, like, once you don't own your music, I don't know. 
it's difficult. All I can say is they better leave Stevie Wonder alone. <laughs> oh gosh. It's like there's so there's so many people that you know you don't really hear much about and people are like, Oh yeah, their career's over, but you know what? No, they're probably somewhere being happy and like staying away from all of this this drama and craziness because um it's just really sad. It's really sad. And it's not to say that people don't make mistakes um in their life and if they decide to change it, they're trying to change it and you have been punished in some way or whatever and you're not I am not one to say oh yeah we should support this person the same way I felt with with R. Kelly with there's a bunch of people that it's like I'm not necessarily going to cancel my feeling that I had in my life listening to a song when I was not invested in that person's personal life but I don't necessarily have to go out and support and put more money in that person's pocket either. So I can I can do that fine line myself. But if if the person is has gotten in trouble for whatever it is, and we we say that you know we they've been rehabilitated or whatever has gone on, you supporting and celebrating that person's work has nothing to do. You're not going out there and saying I'm supporting and celebrating what this person did, and that they're a great person for this. You can talk about the music and say it's great music, and. If you're going to do that, then fine. And that's across the board, fine. And if not, and it's like, nope, you're going to cancel everything and people are not allowed to see, listen to, enjoy certain things. That's, I mean, that's a different, it's a different world than what we claim to live in in the United States. But if that's the case, if it's fair and across the board, then fine, fair and across the board. I've been, I've been ranting a little bit, but you know, that just... It's just something that came across my mind. Like I said, I do not support any kind of domestic violence. I do not support any type of sexual abuse with the children. I do not support Balenciaga. <laughs> I do not I do not support any of the mixed messages and hidden things that Disney has in their works and their amazing productions that make you so happy to be like, wow, this is so great. And then there's little things in there which... I just don't understand, I don't get. And everyone in those companies are smart enough to know and vet and see what has happened in the past and what's happening now and make sure that these things do not happen. So you're doing it on purpose. The We just watched the Pepsi I Want My Jet um, show where Pepsi advertised, you know, you could win. Uh, you win all of these different things by buying Pepsi and, and getting Pepsi points. And then they claim that there was a 7 million point um, prize that is a, a fighter jet or whatever. Um, and they didn't pay attention and they didn't put in the fine print and they didn't, there were a bunch of things that, that they did wrong. And this was when in the 80s or so, 80s or 90s, I can understand that and being like, oh, we screwed up and that's not really hurting anyone. But I can understand that then. All of these things have happened since then. And so companies should know better. And people who are putting things out should know better. And so on one, on one hand, you're setting yourself up. So if people do find these things, you're setting yourself up. On the other hand, we just have to be fair in what we decide we're going to accept as a society or as an individual. Because I guess if you work on the individual level, you can get to the society a lot faster than trying to force everyone to think the way you want them to think you just touched on a whole bunch of issues i did i'm 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 rambling because i'm (laughs) there's a lot going on a lot going on in the world and i'm just 
not here for a lot of it. But we could have did a podcast on a couple of those issues separately. We can come back and talk about those issues. I rammed all of that into the news section and went on a rampage, and that was me. My apologies. Um, so I'm going to reel it back in. Fuck the president. What is your health tip of the week? Uh, health tip of the week. What if I repeat a health tip unknowingly? As long as it keeps you healthy, I guess it qualifies. Health tip of the week. Read the ingredients of your food. You should know exactly what you're putting into your body. If it's something that you don't know what it is, and it's something long with a whole bunch of words, or a whole bunch of letters, I would say leave it out and don't bother with it. Don't eat it. But the best thing to do would be to research it and figure out what it really is. Find out what these things are that you're putting in your body if you don't already know. Don't just look it up and find out and and then it'll tell you something like, oh, a thickening agent used in this product or for this color, but where does it come from? And how is it created? And what are the side effects of it? That's uh, that's my health tip for this one. I agree. I completely agree. Um, And before I get to my closing remarks, I need to say that I do need to do a much better job of following these words a bit more closely. Um, I haven't been 100% following everything that I have written here. I will continue to push it and say it because I know that it is true and it should be done. But I'm going to do a better job at closely following what it is that's written here. Um, In one of my businesses, Boss Mood Lifestyles, you can check it out, um, and Life Coaching, um, there is a section of that coaching where there are seven weeks to effectiveness where you can become a more effective person. And, um, I've decided starting yesterday, I've decided to start that, um, that process again. So I am now in the first day is just you kind of scheduling out what you are supposed to be doing for the seven weeks. Um, but now I'm on the whole writing my mission statement and kind of prioritizing and things like that. So I am going to try my hardest to make sure that I stick with it. Um, So here are the closing remarks. Learn to love who you are while striving to be a better version of you each day. Don't base your actions solely on your emotions. Try to find principles to live by and base your actions on those. Aim to be a good person and then stick to your word as closely as you can. You cannot please everyone. So just try to be good and everything else will work itself out. All right, Mr. President, anything else you want to say? Strength, love, and blessings. Always and in all ways. Ladies.